passed away. And in our text, the writer to Hebrews says, because we belong to that kingdom, our relationships matter. Our relationships matter. More than anyone, we as believers ought to understand this. Jesus has said in his Bible that by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. The church should be more distinct in this area than any other organization anywhere in the world. The writer is letting us know that it matters how we behave ourselves. And our relationships matter. He says in verse 1, let brotherly love continue. I heard a story of a young man who was leading an organization. Things were going well. And his alma mater asked him to come and be on the board of the school that he attended. He was pleased with this. And he took on that role. And in the midst of that role that he was fulfilling, perhaps pride got in the way, immaturity, whatever, but there were some who didn't like the leader of the college and they were funneling information and they were not sharing all the information and they were having conversations and it became clear that the man that led the college was going to be forced out. They had an out because the contract came up for renewal and they saw that this is the way to get rid of their president. In the midst of all of this going on, this young man who was thrust into this role had some heated conversations. At one time, he and the president had an exchange, and the young man got up, grabbed his stuff, and left the board meeting. They forced that man out with the approval of the young man, and the president was brokenhearted. I know that story well because I was the young man on the board. And there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about that. You know, the Bible says, let brotherly love continue. I didn't once approach my brother and try to work things out before it got to that point. I went with the flow. I was immature. And the first lesson I learned is I have no business being on a college board or a board of anything, to be honest with you. And God taught me a lesson. And church, if there's anything that I can stand before you and tell you, your relationships with each other matter. It's not your church. It's not my church. It's not your deacon's church. It's the Lord's church. And some of the things that people have done to others in the name of Christ is unconscionable. Look at me. You have to look at yourself every day in the mirror until the day that you look at the Lord Jesus Christ 
face to face. This is a command that we continue in brotherly love. We know Christianese. We know Bible verses. We've been bombarded with it. But let me tell you something. We're failing in loving each other. One man who was struggling with some issues was going to a church that was a self-righteous church. Many of the people had been there a long time and they wanted church just the way they wanted it. In a dark time in this man's life, they alienated him because of what they thought was bad conduct. The elderly gentleman left the church and ended up frequenting a local bar. One of the members caught wind and went to visit him. And the old elderly man said this, I have more love, more respect, more camaraderie, and more friendship at that local bar than I did at your local church. Please listen to me. It matters how we treat each other. It matters how we treat each other. And because we belong to this unshakable kingdom, it matters how we treat each other. Church, we ought to be the ones that run first to the aid of our brothers and sisters when they need us. He says, because we're part of this unshakable kingdom, our relationship with each other is extremely important. The second thing he says is, do not, to for, do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some have inter, unwittingly entertained angels. The second thing he tells us is our relationship with strangers matters. Our relationship with strangers matter. I went to the hospital one time, and I was visiting a man in the hospital. He's not in here, not incriminating anyone in here. And the man was in the bed, a very self-righteous man. And I sat there, and there was a young man that had come in. And this young man had been his caretaker, had done very intimate things, washed him, bathed him, took care of him in the hospital. And where I was sitting, he came in and he walked in and then there was a computer over here and the gentleman in the bed couldn't see him working on the computer. And he said, I told that young fellow who was just in here, he needed to get his heart right with God and get his hair cut. And my heart sank. And I looked over and that fellow was typing and he looked at me and I just went, and he, he shook his head, yes, he understood. Caught him in the hallway, and I said, you know, I'm sorry about that. I said, you know, he's not healthy, and I really wanted to say he's just an old grouchy curmudgeon. <laughs> but I'm trying, I'm, I'm a work in progress. I'm still trying to be, uh, you know. But anyways, I'm a, we, we all are. We're fighters by nature. 
We want to right wrongs, man. We want to stand up and say, look, you did this to me. And this and that. And we want to stand our ground and we want to fight for it. But guys, let me tell you something. The way you fight is the way that Christ told us to fight. And there are people out there that we don't know that don't go to our church. And sometimes we look down on them. I was in a store and there was various piercings on this person. And I couldn't understand hardly. I'm getting hard of hearing. So I'm a lip reader. Have you ever tried to lip read with piercings? I'm not trying to be cruel or anything. Here, I'm talking about being kind to strangers. I, I couldn't figure it out. And I, I mean, if you want to do that, I'm not preaching on that. I'm just saying. And I'm thinking you know, all these thoughts in my head. It's like that insurance commercial where the old man's teaching the people not to be like their parents. Everybody sees it. Everybody sees it, you know. And I think about it. It says that we are to entertain. That word entertain means hospitality. It means to be welcoming. And even in Middle Eastern times, it meant to invite a stranger into your home for a meal. A stranger. Someone you don't know. And so our relationships matter with each other, but our relationships matter to those people outside the church. I was asking someone about an person I knew that attended church, and I said, do you know so-and-so? They go to church. And he says, they go to church? Our relationship with strangers, we live in a land where it's so divisive. I saw this past summer a coach of a little league game actually went out on the field and punched an umpire in front of the kids. It's a game. The world says, do unto others before they do unto you. Christ says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I've had various waitresses tell me they hate to work on Sunday afternoon. Because the Christian people or professing Christians come in and treat them. One lady told me, she said, I went to a church in this area and I saw these people and I know they go to that church and they didn't know that I went to that church and I waited on them on Sunday and she said she raked me through the coals over something that was, I don't even know what it was, she told me, and it was insignificant. And then she left me a tip and said that's all I deserved. I bet things would change if that was your daughter waiting tables. If that was your wife, if it was you waiting tables. How we treat people outside matters. We belong to a kingdom, not of this world. And when we show people love and respect... Even if we don't know their story, it costs us nothing to be kind. And there's 
The world is playing. We are are an all-time, listen to me, we are an all-time high for anxiety in our land. And I'm not making light of anxiety. Anxiety, depression, all those things are real. And if you've never experienced them, they are real. So don't make fun of somebody that has them. Serious. And one of the reasons is, is because we are so divisive, we have become a self-centered, narcissistic society. I've never been in a political argument where someone said, oh, you're right, I'm going I'm to now switch over to what you are. Never, not one time. I learned early on that when I got in Bible debates on, on Facebook, the only thing it did was it made the two parties that were arguing more emboldened and the people that don't know in the middle are more confused than ever. So it helps no one. Our relationships with strangers matter. There's a gentleman who lived in Chesapeake, who lived in a house, a subdivision, and he lived toward, in, toward the back of the subdivision around the corner. And he told us a story one time, and I'll never forget, he said that, that he had a knock on his door. He went to the door, and there was this little old lady, and she needed money for food, and he gave her some money and some, for some food, and I actually think they even gave her some food, and, and she thanked him and left. Well, after she left, it went across the street. There was another preacher that lived across the street, and some people were outside working, you know, how the neighborhoods are. And he began to talk to them, and nobody saw this little lady. No one ever saw this little lady again ever in Chesapeake. Could it have been that he might have entertained an angel unaware? I don't know. But I'm going to tell you this. Whether it was or it was not, the message is in doing good to strangers. It's not in looking for angels. It's for helping people. Helping people. We live in a day where no one will help anyone else. They expect to be paid. Neighbors used to do things for neighbors. They used to just do it and not expect anything. I'm sure you've seen the picture of the Amish, right? Moving a barn. Have you all seen that picture floating around on the Internet? And they got, the Amish don't know it's on the Internet because they don't have the Internet. But anyways, um, they're, they're all lifting this barn. There's several hundred of them all the way around the barn, and they actually move a big, whole, big large barn together. They get it. They understand community. Our relationship with strangers matter. Verse 3, remember the prisoners as if chained with them. Prisoners. This word prisoners actually means binding or bound. In the immediate context, I believe the writer's talking about those Christians who were enchained because of their faith of converting to Christianity. In a broader application, I believe that there are some who are bound not by chains, but maybe by addiction and other things that we need to remember. They're the forgotten people. How do we remember them? I think we remember them with compassion and with prayer. Listen to me. Please hear me out. You can go to all 12-step programs you want to go to. You can go to all these things. These things are good. I'm not about them. You can go to all the counseling in the world you want. But only Christ can deliver someone from the power and the slave and bondage of sin. 
Only Christ. And we as believers should not look down on them as I do sometimes, and I'm sure you do sometimes. But we should have compassion for them and pray for them. We should remember them. Do you know that uh, the Apostle Paul, when he told different churches, various churches to remember so-and-so, he was telling them to pray for them. That's what it means when he says remember them. He doesn't just say, oh, let's take ten minutes today and think about all the poor oppressed people. No, that's not what he's talking about. He's saying remember them, pray for them. Pray for them. I don't know about you, but when I pray, sometimes my mind wanders. Anybody with me? I wonder this. I wonder that. And wonder, I'm just like Wonderland. We call it Kenny Land. It's magical. And uh, there's so much for which I can pray that I'm aloof to. I just, no, no presence. See, we're not of this kingdom. This kingdom is shakable. We're of an unshakable kingdom that has different set of standards and principles that we live by. And I'm sorry that we relegated them to rules. No, these are commands of God that we do it because we love Him. And we love others and we serve others because we love them. And we serve others in the church because we love our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we serve strangers because we love Christ. And we want to... We we want to serve them because of Him, because we're not of this kingdom. Those who are bound. The next one, those who are mistreated. May I say to you, my pastor taught me this. Wounded dogs bite. If you've ever been around a dog that's been in a dog attack, and that dog doesn't know you, and you try to approach that dog, that dog will bite you. Because it's still in the attack mode. There are people... That you and I know that have gone through some severe testings and trials and mistreatment of others and they're wounded and the things that come out of their mouth, they really don't mean them, but they're hurt. Hurting people hurt. And we need to also remember them. We need to remember, hey, I don't know the whole story. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. You see, these things are what eats at us when we're self-centered and narcissistic and you've got to come around to my way and you, you're just not thinking like I'm thinking. And when you get that right, then we... No, here's what the problem is with that. It's killing you. It's a cancer. It's eating you up. Why don't you transfer the burden to the Lord and remove that burden and live happy? I had my annual, I guess you call it a physical or checkup at the VA and... My doctor, she had torn her uh, ACL, and so she wasn't there. So I had to go beyond a screen and talk to a guy from, I think, Nigeria or somewhere. And he has an accent. And I'm hard of hearing. And it was like there's a delay. Has anybody ever talked on them stupid things? There's a delay. And I'm like, this is like a Saturday Night Live skit, us trying to talk. A hard-hearing guy, a guy that speaks in broken language and all this. And he was talking about my blood pressure. And he said, your blood pressure get high. He said, you think happy thoughts. And I wanted to tell him, yeah, the happy thoughts is going to bring my blood pressure down. And I wanted to tell him, I generally think happy thoughts until I run into people. So if you could take care of the people, then my blood pressure would come down. No, you think happy thoughts. Listen to music, you know, and... And take your medicine. Yeah. $20 copay. Anyways. Um, yeah. Listen. 
We internalize all these things, guys. And it may not bother us right now, but down the road it does. Has anyone had a confrontation in which you didn't like it after you left, you wished you'd never even been a part of it? Yeah, we all have, haven't we? We all have. Now, here we go. Number four, our relationship with our spouse matters. I'm going to say some things right now, and hopefully you're not offended because it's the truth. Your marriage is not about your happiness. If you say that around me, I'm going to correct you. That is the biggest misnomer in all the world. Your marriage is a picture of the church and Christ. If you think that you're marrying someone to make you happy, you are putting a burden on that person that person cannot bear. That person is not responsible. Your spouse is not responsible for your happiness. The Bible says marriage is honorable. And in a marriage relationship, the church needs to take it up a notch. We need to stop skirting around the issues and deal with this as it is. I'm not real good at marriage counseling. I'll just tell you that. Because there's no, there's no answers other than one or two or both parties are not capitulating to what God wants them to do. Their eyes are on the other person rather than on the Lord. Your marriage will only work if both eyes are on the Lord. Now, I have known people that would not get a divorce, that stayed together till they died. Both are dead, but both lived in the same house and wouldn't speak to each other. They go to church and everything was fine, but other than that, they had no relationship at all. That is not making marriage honorable among all men. As a matter of fact, I have asked my deacons to hem me in. I've asked them because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a yes person. I don't want to tell people no. But I've done some really bizarre, stupid weddings that I will, not long, I will no longer do. When I say bizarre and stupid, I'm saying it's taking away from the traditional element and it's bringing in the world. I did one where there was a, flyer, a flower guy. And he came down prancing, throwing out flowers, and everybody was laughing. Hey, it's not a joke. If you're going to joke on the wedding day, you're going to joke in the marriage. Every day of your marriage, your marriage is going to be a joke. We're not holding it high regard and honorable among all men. And we get uncomfortable when we talk about it. I'm not beating up divorced people. I'm just telling you this. If you've been divorced and God has blessed you and you have remarried, you have a responsibility in that marriage you're in to be honorable. And the principles of marriage are, are built on honor, faithfulness, and love. That is the bedrock of marriage. It's not some movie you watch. Well, you know, all these movies, they irk me. People say, well, you know, so-and-so's married, and, and, but they're having problems anyways. They're going to get divorced, and, and she meets Mr. Wright, or he meets Mrs. Wright, and they're all, you know, it's going to happen anyways. Baloney. What you're saying is marriage doesn't matter. It does. It's honorable among all. 
and the bad is undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. He didn't say anything about judging those who don't love each other with brotherly love. He didn't say anything about judging those who don't love strangers. He talks about those who step out of the confines of, of, of that sacredness, as in adulterers and fornicators, that God's going to judge. Kingdom people, we don't joke about our marriage. We don't do my ball and chain and the old lady and the old man. We don't do that. That's not honorable. It's just a joke. It's not a joke. The reason we're in the situation we're in is because it's been a joke. And it's time to get back to making it what God says it should be. Every time I sit with someone who's going through a divorce, they will tell you, as they have told me, the ramifications are far-reaching. And the pain is extremely deep. I am not at all picking on divorced people. I love you. And what you went through, I'm sorry you went through it. And I'm praying for you. And if you're in the midst of something right now, I'm praying for you hard. And I know, I know this. Someone has said marriage is 50-50. That's baloney. Marriage is 100-100. If it's 50-50, you're only giving half effort. Listen, it takes all effort. Someone once told me the best thing I can do for my kids is to let my kids see that I love their mother. That's the best thing I can do for my children. Our relationships with our spouses matter. They matter. And we need to get rid of some of the garbage. The Hollywood stuff is fake. It's fake. And what you see on television and Hallmark, I've told you once, if you're going to, if you're going to one of those towns, you need to be the guy in the flannel shirt, not in the suit. Because the guy in the suit's losing to the flannel guy. There's a, that's the whole Hallmark story for Christmas. Someone went out and said, I said that one time before. Someone went out and said, well, I'm glad I got flannel shirts. That's what I wear, brother. And I said, well, me too. Me too. But so much of our mind is shaped by society and not by the Word of God. I've sat with more than one person who's lost their spouse and lives every day with the regret of things they didn't do. I've sat with people. I have a dear friend who's a couple years, maybe one, two years out now, still struggling. Rocked his world completely upside down. Spouse died. And let me tell you something. We all know he'll see a spouse again, but it won't be the same. The Bible teaches us that in the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven and, and, and Christ's kingdom, and us, when we go to heaven, we're not given in marriage like we are here on this earth. 
And I want to tell you this. Your marriage is a picture of your spiritual life. And you don't have to look at me, and you don't owe anything to me, and I'm not judging you. As a matter of fact, I'm purposefully looking at my Bible so I don't look at someone because undoubtedly when I preach things, someone said, you, you, who you been talking to, preacher? You've been talking to somebody? That's happened more than once. No, but thanks for telling on yourself. It matters. Those of you in here, and you're married, your marriage should be a marriage of honor. It should be a marriage of faithfulness and love. has to be well it's just a little white lie no it's a lie that's not honor faithfulness and and love I've heard of men who have uh, one man lost his job and he didn't want to tell his wife so he went every day like he was going to work and while he was acting like he was at work he was looking for a job he wasn't man enough to tell his wife. And I'm sure there are emotions in there, and I'm sure it's a humbling thing to, be, to lose your job. But listen, that relationship is built on honor and faithfulness and love. You can't have distrust in it. You can't tell little white lies. You can't do things behind. Those little things are the devil takes note of and stacks up. Verse 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. <clears throat> Lastly, our relationship to money. He tells us not to be covetous. Listen, if you are covetous, there's a progression that takes place when we become covet, covetors or covetous, I should say. When we covet other things and our mind is always on getting things, here's what happens. We'll do, eventually, we'll do anything it takes to get those things. Only to find out when you have those things, they can't make you content. Contentment cannot be found in things, only in relationships. Contentment can only be found in relationships, and in particular, your relationship with Christ. I've had people tell me that certain Christians have financially wronged them. And people find out you're a pastor. They like to tattle. i just let you know. People don't even go to this church. They find out I'm a pastor. And they're like, oh, you know. And sometimes people rather talk to me. They don't want to talk to their own pastor because they don't want their pastor to know what's going on. And I'm like, you know, whoa. I remember my mother had a Lincoln. It was a burgundy Lincoln. It was one of those big Lincolns. And my dad's friend bought it off my dad. It was after she had died. And I bought it off him later. There wasn't a curb in Huntington I didn't hit, I don't think, man. That thing was a tank. We got on visitation. The deacon went with me. He said, oh, God, put an angel on the four corners of this car. I remember one time we were having a big dinner at the church and I had to pick up the ham and the green beans as a Christmas dinner and that, you know, that trunk of that Lincoln, you could just stow about eight bodies in there. 
And uh, I had the corn and I had the green beans and the ham in there. And going around those corners, it sloshed out. Every time it got hot, man, I smelled ham. I was getting hungry for <laughs> six months after that. But I had a friend who was in the same church. He was a preacher too. And uh, I, began, I was going to sell it. And he caught wind I was going to sell it, and he bought it. He drove it for about a month, and the engine blew up. And I was heartsick. And I was, uh, approached him and said, man, I, have no, I had no idea. I feel terrible. And the man's father, who was also a member of that church, standing there, he said, oh, it ain't your fault. She ran her without water. And uh, she had let the water, there was a leak, and the radiator didn't know it, ran and blew the engine up. But I remember thinking about that. I remember thinking that, man, I hate, I'd hate for something like that to happen. And undoubtedly, it always, it, eventually it happens to someone. It's happened to you before, and you didn't have any knowledge of it or whatever. But listen, that's one thing to do something like that. But to knowingly do something to someone, to knowingly do something to someone for financial gain is not right with God. And that's not becoming of our characters as Christ followers in the kingdom of God. It's not right. Our relationship to money ought to be that we're not seeking it. There's a big lottery, I think, was happening this weekend. I was watching the news, and all the people are going out and buying it. And I'm, I'm not, whatever you want to do is what you want to do. I'm not telling you not to do this, but you buy that lottery ticket, you have a dream. All the things you'd do if you had that money. I often said if someone won that, if they'd just donate to the church, not tell us, we'd take it. One preacher said the devil's had it long enough. I often thought, man, if we do that, we'd start a Christian school, man. It'd be a first-class Christian school. Well, let me ask you a question. If God wanted us to start a Christian school, it don't matter how much money we got. We're going to start a Christian school. Now, let me just say to you, I have no business in education, and it ain't going to happen. I do not want to be a part of that. God is not leading me to that. But my point is, we don't need the lottery. We got God. And that's what he's saying. Friend, you don't have to do unscrupulous things because you have God. And he has given you the promise he'll never leave you nor forsake you. David wrote, I have been young and now I am old. And I have never seen the righteous begging seed. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. I'm not going to chase the dollar. I'm going to chase Christ. God will supply all your needs. Don't sell your testimony for monetary gain. You're far more valuable than those few dollars you'll get. This is part one. I have a whole bunch more to say, but I want you all to go home and not be here till 2 o'clock. But I would say this. Your relationships say a lot about you.
There's two things that say a lot about a person. Their relationships with people, how they treat people, and their shoes. That says a lot about people. How you treat people reveals your testimony. How you treat people that can do nothing for you is a true test of your character. Listen to me. You and I, every day of our lives, have to look in the mirror at ourselves. Every day. But one day, we will look into the eyes of our Savior. And we'll be accountable for how we lived, how we loved, and how we served. And the writer says, because... We are not of this kingdom.